Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The latest tips and equipment to improve your game. The latest from the leaderboards and your favorite courses. This is Golf in the Northwest, an action-packed hour about everything golf. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. More than just your family neighborhood steakhouse. Now with award-winning PGA professional Harold Bluestein. Here's your host, Jason Swigard. And a fine good morning to you all. The air is once again breathable. We've never welcomed rain so much back in the Pacific Northwest as we did uh, the last couple of days, I think. You know, it was two weeks ago I said to you, I I just want the sunshine to stay here. I don't want any rain. And this week I said, okay, go ahead yeah. and rain. Clear this air out. It got better yesterday. Uh, thank goodness. Uh, I'm still kind of sneezing and wheezing a little bit, though. Yeah, well, you were, you know, you elected to do a roof project uh, when you couldn't be outside and breathing, or most people. Yeah, golf trips will be on uh, composition roofing (laughs) on a garden shed. Uh, and why you should avoid doing that if you value your golf swing. Exactly. So that'll be uh, among many tips uh, today. We have a lot to get to. Obviously, uh, the U.S. Open out of winged foot taking center stage. Our uh, our good friend Garrett Johnston going to join us. He's been covering the game for over a decade with various projects. He's got a new one, his Beyond the Clubhouse podcast. Uh, is fantastic. So he's going to uh, join us at 8.15 and get his thoughts on what he's seen so far out at the open. Uh, winged foot, there was a lot of criticism. Uh, was it too easy? Was it not winged foot on day one? Well, that got answered on day two. <laughs> uh, America's uh, sweetheart uh, final grouping today of Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed. You, oh, wow. Two guys you just love. You just know, if warm it were and fuzzy all over. Yeah, if you threw... Uh, Ian Poulter and uh, Sergio Garcia, although neither made the cut, uh, into the second last group. Maybe Rory Sabatini or somebody, uh, too. Yeah, it would just, I <laughs> I would watch just to see if uh, if there was any blood. Uh, it, yeah. it, it's going to be interesting. Patrick Reed, not necessarily my favorite guy, but certainly I like him better than Bryson DeChambeau. Yep. Yep, they've uh, both earned reputations for different reasons, but uh, we'll get into that. Tiger and Phil both missing the cut at a major for just the second time in the 85 majors. They have both been in the field. Uh, We'll talk about their futures uh, in majors, uh, one being competitive and two, how much longer Phil might be in the U.S. Open field. There's a lot of discussion about that. Is is. Is it time for him to step aside? Well, he's going to have to qualify. 
He's going to have to qualify, although I, I saw Tom Watson, Jack Nicholas's, uh, Arnold Palmer's, they all received a, a few special exemptions from the USGA later in their careers, mm-hmm. so it's not an unprecedented feat from the USGA to, to get one of them in. Uh, we'll see. I know Phil's got a lot of pride. He wants to qualify. Um, so we'll we'll have that discussion as yep. well. Also, the ladies uh, are at Columbia Edgewater. They had to reduce that to 54 holes because of the air quality on Thursday, but they did get out uh, darkness. They had a little lightning scare in the afternoon, so they are finishing up the first round while starting the second round this morning. Harold, you were out there at Columbia Edgewater a lot yesterday, so anxious to get your thoughts uh, on uh, who caught your eye coming off their first major of the year. And uh, yeah, who knows where else we might go. Uh, also, uh, with the fires, uh, we'll we'll tell you about, I'll hit it now, uh, our good friend David Phipps from the Golf Course Superintendent Association of America forwarded this to me earlier in the week. Uh, the Southern Oregon Golf Course Employee Fire Relief. There's a GoFundMe page. I've tweeted that out on my Twitter page, at Fanswag. Uh, there are a number of families, 10 or 11 families uh, of crew members that work on the four golf courses down in that Medford Ashland area who essentially have lost everything and uh, looking to the golf community to try and help raise some funds and, and provide whatever you can for them down there. They've you know, been spending all summer keeping golf courses playable uh, for people and, and now the they need they need a hand. Yeah, and it's the same thing coming out of Central Oregon yeah. uh, in the McKenzie River area. They have uh, the same issues. Uh, it's tough. Uh, it's been a tough year to start with with the pandemic. Everyone has gotten used to, in a sense, uh, and adjusted to that. And now you throw in the wildfire situation, the smoke. Uh, it's been a real challenge for us. Uh, the Oregon PGA, we had to cancel two uh, pro-ams this past week or so because of the smoke. Yep. Concerned about people's safety. Uh, and so it's it's been tough. Uh, thank goodness we're all really kind of pulling together through this. Uh, it helps to know that there um, there are people out there who are willing to help and to yeah. step up. Uh, so good feeling in that respect. Unfortunately, we just keep getting hit. Yeah. So if you're looking for some way to just feel like you're pitching in and helping whatever you might be able to, again, uh, it's at GoFundMe. It is uh, listed as the Southern Oregon Golf Course Employee Fire Relief. Uh, they're trying to raise $50,000 to help 11 different families. Uh, they're they're on their way. They're about halfway there, but certainly can use anything you might be able to spare. So uh, awesome. we'll, we'll touch on that again before the end of the show. But as always, uh, we start by going inside the ropes. It's time for an insider's look at the leaderboards, the latest on all tours, plus local golf events and golf news. This is Inside the Ropes, part of Golf in the Northwest. Uh, Three tours in action this week. The Champions Tour is at Pebble Beach for the Pure Insurance Championship. Jim Furyk, uh, one of the rookies on the Champions Tour this year, an 8-under-64 in round one. He's got a one-shot lead over Ernie Els, Stephen Leaney, and Cameron Beckman. Dickie Pride, two back at 6-under. Uh, there's Bernhard Longer lurking at 4-under with Miguel Angel Jimenez at 3-under. So, uh, look, anytime uh, you're fortunate enough to play Pebble Beach in a uh, competitive environment, you're going to put the peg in the ground and bring the sticks. Oh, absolutely. What a great layout and, and such a great history down there. Uh, a bit windy for them uh, to play. Uh, Pebble Beach can be awful windy, and there's some holes there. 
You know, you just, you know, par threes, you got to pull out a driver and try and bust it through the wind, and then the wind will shift, and now you got a wedge in your hand. So a real challenge for the old guys. Um, and, you know, we talk about the Champions Tour. Can these guys still play? They absolutely can still play. Uh, very talented players. Uh, who won last week on the uh, on the Champions Tour? Did they play? Uh, no, I the bo- last winner was uh, Miguel uh, Jimenez. Yes. And, uh, and he's, he's up there again at, th- at three under, um, good to see them in action, even though there's action on two other tours. Uh, Rocco Mediate won last week. Oh, he in, did. Uh, Sioux Falls. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in not, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So, uh, so that was your winner last week. Okay. Awesome. All righty. Uh, more importantly, the ladies did get to Portland uh, after the ANA inspiration. Miriam Lee winning a uh, three-player playoff. Uh, Nelly Corda, who had been leading most of the tournament, Miriam Lee caught her and uh, got her in the playoff. Uh, did you watch any of that? I watched some off and on. It was amazing. I and mean, so I, I I got sucked in. NFL football was back, and so Sunday I made a crater on my couch for ten hours of football. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna I lie. I cannot sit there and well, I don't care what sport it is. I got to get up, and move around. I'll exercise uh, and watch uh, TV, uh, but I can't sit in one spot and watch. I just yeah. you know, I watched quite a bit on Saturday uh, of it, and uh, you know watched them. You know try and deal with the heat i thought they held up amazingly well i mean you're into the the hundreds 110s there yeah. uh so the ability for them to to do that i know there was some concern about normally there's grandstands on 18 it's that par five and a kind of an island green right there's a little canal around it and the famous pond that they jump into the winner does uh-huh. um but they put a wall up so you couldn't go over into and, and I'll tell you what, that helped Miriam Lee yeah. because she bounced one off of it. She even admitted, I went for the green and I knew I couldn't go over. Yep. That's unfortunate because uh, that may have caused, cost uh, Nellie Corda uh, the tournament, although Nellie needed to get the ball in the fairway on the 18th yeah. hole twice, uh, first in, in regulation and once in the playoff. Uh, Miriam Lee, though, y- you've got to – you really have to admire her short game. She chipped in three times and in regulation on 18 uh, from that ricochet off the wall, she chips in for Eagle yeah. to force playoff. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah. She is a two under out of Columbia Edgewater there here in Portland for the Cambia Portland classic. Unfortunately, uh, fans won't be able to get out there, uh, but you can get some primetime golf after all the U S open coverage. It'll be on golf channel later in the evening. Uh, you can stream, uh, stream it live through uh, golf channel as well. Sydney Clanton and the defending champion, Hannah green, both at six under your first round leaders. Uh, second round is underway simultaneously with a few players that needed to finish up the first round. Uh, they didn't get it in before daylight ended, but Maria Stackhouse, uh, the former uh, NCAA champion uh, at Stanford uh, with that uh, indelible putt that she made to give Stanford the team title. Two under so far. She's five under. Uh, tied with Caroline Masson, Mel Reed, a couple of Ryder Cup veterans, uh, youngsters Amy Olson and Gabby Lopez also. So uh, Apahara Munoz in a group at four under. So uh, uh, a nice leaderboard here starting out. Uh, it's wonderful. And I can tell you, I, I was out there yesterday and walked the golf course, followed a couple of groups, Stacy Lewis's group for sure. And, um, 
I've never, I haven't seen Columbia and Edgewater in better shape uh, well, and it'll in be, all the years of being out there. Yeah, uh, Jim Myers, the superintendent. I'm hoping to maybe have him on next week. He's pretty busy this week, but yeah. next week to go figure out uh, through all the nonsense. But I imagine there wasn't too much golf being played by members or whatever the, for the couple of weeks when the air was so bad and how much that helped them, um, you know, get the course ready although you couldn't have your crews out there much. So I don't know how much they did. So I'm curious to talk to him about how they got that thing all ready uh, for tournament play. Well, I talked to Adrian Bertner, the head professional, yeah. yesterday, and he said that they had been very busy all week, the maintenance people. Uh, they had to follow certain safety uh, protocols with regard to the smoke. Uh, but they did it. They got the golf course in good shape. I will tell you that the rough is deep. And we will be talking about the U.S. Open rough, yep. but the rough around the greens at uh, Columbia Edgewater was four to five inches deep. Ooh. I mean, really deep. And then off the fairways, yeah. they have a the first cut is about thirty inches, and the second uh, rough was again three to five inches and yeah. deep. And the and the women were having a tough time getting out of it, so you needed to hit a fairway. Uh, same deal out at Wingfoot Golf Club, Mamaroneck, New York, the 120th U.S. Open. Patty Reed is your leader at four under. Bryson DeChambeau, three under. Uh, Justin Thomas, Harris English, Rafa Cabrera, Bello at two under. Jason Kokrak, one under. Six guys in red numbers. We will pick it up uh, next with our guest, Garrett Johnston, uh, Beyond the Clubhouse podcast and uh, various other golfing projects. He joins us as we continue. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 816 here this morning, golf in the Northwest. We hope to have Garrett Johnston uh, here in just a moment. We'll keep trying. I know he's a busy guy, but we texted this morning. Excited to talk to him. Uh, his new project is Beyond the Clubhouse podcast, uh, talking with uh, caddies, media members, players as well. His most recent one is uh, with uh, Phil Mickelson's brother, Tim, who's on his bag now. Uh, they kind of put together a game plan before they decided to tee it up. Didn't go well at the U.S. Open, but uh, John Feinstein is there. Kevin Streelman recently on. Brendan Todd among the guys. Um, let's see. We're trying to get Garrett here. We hope to have him in a little bit. Is this a dramatic pause? I know. <laughs> And Hang on, I'm producing on the air. Let me give him, I got to give him the number here. Oh, okay. He's trying to call in. So I wanted to mention something that I saw yesterday at the uh, Cambia. Uh, going into the season, we uh, it had been said that the women would had a choice whether they wanted a caddy or not. Uh, and so I saw players carrying their own clubs um, or with push carts. Uh, all over the golf course is very interesting. Uh, it's difficult for them to play without a caddy, and I could see uh, them running around trying to pay attention to what they needed to do, uh, raking a bunker and then jumping up to try and line up a putt. So it was quite a challenge for the ladies there. Um, so I've never seen a professional tournament without caddies. Yeah, and it's something, uh, who knows, we might be uh, seeing more of it soon. 
Certainly, though, not out at winged foot uh, with the U.S. Open. We got him now, our good buddy Garrett Johnston uh, on the horn with us. Sorry about the mix-up there, my friend, but uh, we're glad that we were able to catch up with you, uh, telling people about your new project, the Beyond the Clubhouse podcast. Uh, You've had some big names on, uh, Tim Mickelson, uh, Phil's brother and caddy, John Feinstein, Kevin Streelman, Brendan Todd. Uh, How's the new project going? It's going really well. Good to talk with you guys. Um, I think the, the, the most important person I've had on as it relates to this tournament, of course, Todd was in the mix, and he had that almost club throw. I asked him this morning, was it a club throw? He said, no, it was a fake club throw. I <laughs> said, everybody saw it cut away on the camera. So I confirmed that. But the most important person, I think, when it comes to major championships right now, who's trending, is got to be Xander Schauffele. And Xander's never finished, guys, worse than tied for sixth in a U.S. Open. His first ever was 2017 at Aaron Hills. I remember I was out walking with him in the very first round that Thursday. It was him and Cameron Champ lighting up Aaron Hills. Um, He is built for majors, man. I mean, he was in the final group of the Tour Championship. He technically won the Tour Championship, if you will. Dustin, of course, wins the FedEx Cup. But he, he has the experience, when you look at that, just two weeks ago with DJ, the hottest player in the world. He was in the final pairing in a major, which is important for, I think, any resume, when he was with Jordan Spieth in 2018 at the Open Championship. So this is a guy that's been trending. I asked him on my pod, uh, episode nine of Beyond the Clubhouse, how hungry, Xander, are you for a major? He said he's very hungry, and it, it lights a fire under him when a kid like Colin Morikawa playing in his second major – wins it it's like what you gotta do if you're the other players like xander so xander's ready to go guys and and i know he's not as hot of a name as justin thomas or as john rom or or dustin johnson but xander i think is as ready as anybody uh to get that major championship well we'll get into the uh, field and the leaderboard here a little bit deeper in just a moment but first of all we saw wingfoot uh 21 guys under par uh, Justin Thomas uh, gets a U.S. Open Wingfoot scoring record. There are reports that the uh, superintendent lost his stuff on the USGA tournament committee after round one. We saw the teeth of Wingfoot come back. The conditions uh, also helped cooler. Uh, the wind kicked up. They let the greens uh, get a little uh, crusty there, as we're used to seeing in the U.S. Open. Uh, which Wingfoot do we plan on seeing the rest of the weekend? No, I, I think it's going to be the wing foot that, that uh, asks a lot of the short game from these players. You know, I, I think the greens are going to continue to be fast. Um, as we saw them in 2006, remember when Ogilvy won two chip-ins. Was it two chip-ins in the last three holes? It, 70th and the 70, or excuse me, the, I think it was the 70th and the 71st hole. So, yeah, you're going to have to see a player with on-command on the short game. And when we look at that, that's my expectation, when we look at that among the players – in the mix, of course, Patrick Reed has mm-hmm. been a guy. I've seen him over the years, covered him for his hometown papers in the past. And he's a guy, when he practices, he has a, he's got this clock putting routine where he surrounds the hole and he hits it from different 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. And he's obsessed with his short putts and with his short game. I've, you just see him for hours out there chipping. And so it only makes sense, guys, that the last pairing, Say what you want about their popularity. There's no fans there. It doesn't matter. But the last pairing is George, Excuse me, is Patrick Reed, who is so into his short game and, you know, being on top of that. And then, of course, Bryson DeChambeau. His coach, Chris Como, one of his two coaches, 
Como has said in the past that Bryson is all about mental energy, expending mental energy even during off weeks about how can he get better. He's obsessed with getting better. We've seen him beef up and the protein shakes and all that. But the fact that these two guys are rewarded with the final pairing going into the U.S. Open Saturday, I think says a lot about their work ethic. They put in the time, guys, to be in this position. Well, I would agree with you uh, for sure on the quality of Patrick Reed's uh, short game and also Justin Thomas, uh, two of the best uh, short game players in the game. Can Bryson DeChambeau, I mean, he got, I think he got a little bit lucky yesterday recalibrating his wedges. Can he go out and muscle wing foot for two more rounds? That's a good question. It'd be interesting. I was uh, texting with Chris Combo to try to understand what the game plan is, and he didn't want to reveal, understandably. Um, <laughs> it's a math I, you know problem, what? isn't it? <laughs> it is a math problem. Um, I think that the challenge for DeChambeau, I don't know if he can necessarily overpower it, but I think it is going to come down to being a numbers game. Can he put himself into position where he's got enough short clubs into these par fours um, to, to the point where, okay, it's only a matter of getting enough birdie looks and he's going to be the guy to beat. You know, is that the, can it come down to that? Um, or will he be so far offline that he's going to make a double being in the rough and then all of a sudden he's chasing Reed or he's chasing the other guys, uh, Shockley or whoever ends up, uh, you know, having the lead when, and when the day is done. But, yeah, it's interesting. Bryson played pretty well on that Sunday at Harding Park. Remember, he, he had never really been a factor in major championships until Harding Park uh, two months ago, a month and a half ago. And there he was in the mix. He didn't quite deliver on the back nine. Uh, but, of course, who did? Uh, when you see Morikawa drive that par four and he kind of you know, jumped out from that group of seven guys at one point tied to the lead. So Bryson's tasted it. I, I think that's that will give Bryson what he needs is that he's tasted it cl- recently it's not like he's coming in and he hadn't factored in the majors no he's been a factor as recently as the pga and i think Mm -hmm. that will be a crucial element to him trying to win his first major championship garrett johnston our guest uh the new project beyond the clubhouse podcast Uh, you can follow that on twitter at beyond clubhouse uh talking the u.s open here so we've got six guys under par another five at even par starting the day uh, Justin Thomas went out and shot that 65. Then he backed up. Rory McIlroy had a nice first round. He backed up. Uh, what What is Saturday going to be about other than a lot of focus on, on Reed and DeChambeau in that last group? Uh, but they're sitting there at even, even par. Brendan Todd, Matthew Wolf, Xander Shoffley. Bubba Watson had one of the few under par rounds yesterday to get the plus one. John Rama's at plus one. They always call it moving date. Which way are guys you think going to move? Is it about how far you can move up or just not falling back? I think it's the latter. I think it's not falling back. And, you guys, I'm going to give you a throwback here. Real. You mentioned Bubba Watson. Remember how high I was on Bubba Watson six years ago on this show when you had me on? He was just coming off the Masters. I thought, hey. Maybe maybe he gets the U.S. Open. Maybe, uh, you know, we saw the Triple Crown. Maybe we see four majors in a row. And he just struggled like like heck, like hell at the Pinehurst. He's not the right fit for the U.S. Open, in my opinion. I don't think that Bubba's got the patience and the temperament for a win at the U.S. Open. I would say the same thing about Justin Thomas. I think Justin Thomas will eventually get a career uh, Grand Slam. But the U.S. Open, I think, will prove to be the hardest one because of his temperament as well. And um, sometimes his lack of patience as we've seen him struggle at the Memorial in a couple of years, 17 and 18, he struggled there uh, when he had a chance to win. So 
when I look at those players you just mentioned, it's about staying in the mix. And I think John Rahm, I know he's, he's got a temperament questions as well, but he's been trending really well recently. I like Rahm's chances. And also, of course, as I said, Xander, um, you mentioned a couple other players in there. Right? Matthew Wolf. You want to talk about guys knocking on the door. I mentioned Bryson knocking on the door at the PGA Championship. That being crucial for Bryson's chances here a month later, massive finish for Matthew Wolf. Remember how he finished at PGA under pressure? Got up and down and finished out on, on 18, a must-make putt. And I think the way he played on that back nine, I think, will, will be crucial to his confidence. He knows in his holster that he's got that kind of experience, um, having played so well recently at a major. Wolf has looked great, guys. He looks fearless. And I think maybe he's not going to shoot 67, 66. We're not going to see those kinds of big numbers from those guys, those low numbers. But I think, as you said, Jason, will be the key for today. Well, we are looking at a whole new crop of players who can win the U.S. Open, and I think we just lost two in uh, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, who have just for the second time missed the cuts I'm, uh, together in 29 appearances in majors uh, or more. Uh, it's sad to see that. Uh, are you convinced that it's over for the two of them? For U.S. Opens, yeah. over. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think so, because look at next year at uh, Torrey Pines. Okay. Those guys are the kings of Torrey Pines, and I understand it's not going to be the same set of whatsoever that it is every year for the farmers. But I think if you just look at that event, I think that will keep them in it. Um, I mean, obviously, Phil needs to qualify, <laughs> but he's been playing really well. Um, on both tours, as we've seen. So, yeah, I think Torrey is right up Tiger's Alley, and I think that would be such a story to see him back at it next year. I think that's going to be one of the most compelling majors to watch. But, yeah, these guys, I mean, Tiger, of course, has not been getting a ton of reps, but I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I think at Torrey Pines, it's, it's going to be iconic. Um, he's not going to be the defending champ, but we know that he's the guy that won it in 08, and how dramatic that was. I think for these next couple of years, I expect them to still be in the U.S. Open and, and part of the story. Yeah, you look at the future sites, uh, Torrey Pines next year, L.A. Country Club in 2023, and you wonder, I, certainly Tiger is going to want to hold on. 2027, it's back at Pebble Beach. I don't know if Phil can hold on for that long, uh, but... <laughs> uh, he'll try. He'll try, yeah. and he will certainly try to qualify for that one. Uh, courses they certainly know uh, well. Now, Oakmont, Shinnecock Hills uh, in between there could be interesting. Uh, but as we turn back to this uh, U.S. Open, wrapping things up with Garrett Johnston here, uh, do we expect to see the winner in red numbers? Patrick Reed at minus four, Bryson DeChambeau minus three. Uh, or is everybody, is, is Wingfoot just going to show its teeth that's supposed to get cooler, not rain, but the wind is supposed to pick up? What do we think, uh, expect the winning score to be around? Yeah, I think what you just said with the wind picking up and then the cooler and then the greens, I think, too, uh, just being going to be so difficult with these 10 positions, I believe, once we get into Sunday. Uh, it's going to be about one under. I, I predicted on Twitter, I had John Feinstein, the, the famous sports author, as we all know, had him on. He predicted it was between five and ten under par uh, to be the winning score. But, of course, that was when things started, and we knew that 13 under had won it last year for Gary Woodland. So for me, though, I had always said one under I really liked four wings because of how difficult those greens are. You mix it with the wind. 
I think we're expecting. So, and the pressure. You have to think about the pressure for some of these guys going for a first major. If it's Matthew Wolf, Bryson DeChambeau, you know, there's so many guys. Billy Horschel, if he can get up in that mix, he's got Justin Rose's caddy on the back. You guys remember Fooch, who won it there in 2013 with Rose. That's a huge factor. Horschel, of course, in 2013, um, he was in the mix. He was in that final group with Phil Mickelson. So that's big experience for him. So I think for these guys going for their first major, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them wins it. And I think the pressure of it is going to keep that number uh, around one and two under. And you, I, I'm assuming, based on what you've said, you'd like Xander Shoffley to get his first major here on Sunday? <laughs> I'd love to see it. He's been knocking on the door, guys. And he's, I, I asked him three or four different questions about majors. And you guys can listen to that podcast um with Xander he is so he's so ready to win I I can't tell you I mean if he is pumped up man and and he's ready for the big stages and he's put in his time I think guy's only 26 years old but he's he's been on the big stages at a level that a lot of other 26 year olds haven't so um I'm really expecting a lot from him and his caddy Austin Kaiser this weekend Garrett Johnston, uh, so glad we caught up with you. The new project, Beyond the Clubhouse podcast, uh, off to a great start. Check it out. You can just link to it on uh, Twitter, Beyond Clubhouse, and uh, they're all right there. Take your time. Uh, some of the biggest, uh, bigger names in golf and some of the uh, the fun characters as well. We wish you the best of luck to, uh, with it, and uh, hopefully we can catch up with you soon. Yeah, great stuff, guys. Great to catch up. There you go. Thanks so much, Garrett Johnston, uh, Beyond the Clubhouse podcast, uh, also uh, contributing to uh, golf.com and the Caddy Network at times as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we mentioned uh, the thickness of the rough, both at Wingfoot and out at uh, Columbia Edgewater. Maybe that's a good jumping off point uh, into the tip segment as, uh, look, I'm, I'm in the rough quite a bit. So, yeah, you are. Uh, when it is that thick and uh, cabbage-like, what? Uh, how do you get a mindset? What are you trying to assess? And being able to, you know, not make things worse once you get out there, what the mindset has to be. We'll start there. Making the turn here. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Tips for your game from award-winning PGA instructor Harold Lustein. It's time to Ask the Pro on Golf in the Northwest. Brought to you on the fan by Laurelhurst Market. 835 here this morning. Our thanks again to Garrett Johnston uh, for taking some time uh, with us. And uh, hadn't talked to him for a while, so uh, glad to catch up with him. Coming up following us, Center and Saint at 9. And then at 11... Uh, It's uh, the OSN uh, 2019 Classics. Uh, So uh, Jerry Allen, Jorge, Joey Mack going to start reprising the 2019 Ducks football season. Obviously uh, might not get through it all because there might actually be live football uh, before we get to uh, or right around Halloween. But uh, you'll hear uh, the first win of the season against Nevada coming up at uh, 11 o'clock. And then tonight at 4.30, it's game three of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA between Boston and Miami. Can the Celtics uh, not only get a lead but hold on to one as they've been unable to do in the first two rounds? That's uh, that's what we got cooking for you today on the fan. I know Harold's tuning in. Tuning yeah. in for Celtics heat tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see them win. 
the Heat's going to get there. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting, but uh, they got Boston's number early on. But we get into the tip segment here, and it's funny. I, uh, on the uh, we've got a uh, one question on the uh, fan text line at five zero three two five zero ten eighty says I'm about to go for the first time this morning when conditions aren't perfect. Any tips or things to expect? Obviously, and there has not been a lot of golf played in the last two weeks, if much at all, because of the the air quality. It just wasn't healthy to be out there. So you get then some big rain. Uh, so things will soften up a little bit. The air's a bit cooler, but the rough that might have been a little sparse while it was dry as a bone out there for most of August, uh, now it's had a chance to get some water and sprout up real quick. We've seen what's going on at Wingfoot. What do you need to expect now that there's actually rough to play out of? Well, let me let me first answer the, the text question because uh, what to expect. Uh, you don't know what to expect. And so when we have a layoff, you can't go back out there. I've seen you do this yep. where you're off for two weeks, you go back out and you go, Okay, I'm just going to pick this up from where I left off. And that's not necessarily the case. So what do you expect? First of all, balance and tempo are the, are the glues that hold any golf swing together. So when you go back out and you haven't played for a little while, instead of grabbing an 8-iron into that 150-yard uh, shot, uh, grab the 7-iron, stay in balance, uh, and, and that would mean stay connected to the ground, feel your feet. Feel the ground underneath your feet. Swing as smoothly as possible. Um, and and as far as drivers are concerned, uh, make that three-quarter swing. Uh, keep the ball in play. And then as your body winds up, uh, warms up, then you can start making yeah. a little bigger swing. So and play one tee forward. Don't, yeah, don't make things more difficult for yourself. You know, if you normally play kind of back tees, just move up one tee forward. Don't have as long a carries and that's you can make that three-quarter driver swing and what i what i do after a long uh layoff which i've had here is i'm going to take my little sunday bag i'm going to throw five or six clubs in it and i'm going to move forward uh to a forward tee and i'm going to go play and what that does is it gets me into a mindset of playing because now instead of having a six iron, I've got a seven iron or a five iron. I've got to take something off the five or do something uh, a little harder with the seven. So it gets me into a mindset of playing as opposed to, uh, all right, I want to go out and shoot a certain score. I've also noticed my scores are as good if sometimes, if not better yeah. than when I had 14 clubs in my bag. Now, to your second question. Yeah, the rough. You the said rough. out of Columbia Edgewater, it is thick and luscious. We've all seen what it's like out at winged foot, five, six inches there, uh, and scraggly as all get out. So, one, once you – I mean, you got to find your ball first. I mean, it's sinking down to yeah. the bottom. But when you, when you know where it is, yep. what – and you walk up and you start to assess what am I going to do, what are the first things you need to assess before – to, to help decide what kind of what shots are available well it it depends on whether it's uh you're off a fairway or off a green so there's two different issues although the solutions can be pretty much the same off the fairway and unfortunately you can be six inches off into the rough at wingfoot and really not have a shot so number one get in your head that you must take your medicine don't be angry at the rough. Hell, you're the one who hit it there, so deal with it. Uh, and 
So taking your medicine means, okay, assess the situation. Let's say I'm a hundred and a half and I normally would take a seven iron. Uh, guess what? I'm not getting there with that club. And I, and it doesn't matter. I can go to a six iron, which has less loft, which would make it even more difficult. Maybe I've got to hit a nine iron up, uh, something to get out of the rough and move me forward. So pick a comfortable yardage. That's what you're seeing at Wingfoot. Players are picking, picking comfortable yardages, good positions to hit a pitch shot into the green and save a par. So if you've been watching Top Golf Tracer on uh, at the U.S. Open, <laughs> it looks kind of like tracing one of our rounds. They no, go right, they go left, they go short, and then they chip up and they try to make a, a putt. And that's essentially what you have to do. So how are you going to get onto that fairway rough, that long rough? Number one, you're probably going to have to, and you should, grip the club a little bit tighter because the club is going to, once the grab, grass grabs that head, it's going to have a tendency to close the club down. So if you've got a 9-iron, all of a sudden you make contact with that grass, it's an 8-iron, or it's even a 7. So you've got to grip a little tighter and try to keep that club face open. So uh, that means you're, you're going to avoid any uh, big rotation through your, in your forearms as you swing through. So you're going to have to swing through feeling like, in a sense, that you're hitting a cut or a fade. Um, and I think you, you, could be, you could also hit a shank from that position, but we don't use that word in golf. No. So you just try to keep that club face open. Secondly, you're going to have to make a more vertical or more upright backswing. So how do we do that? Because it's not easy. We're accustomed to moving the club back a little lower and slower into the backswing uh, so that the club gets behind us. In this case now, we can change the angle of our attack to the golf ball by our backswing by moving our weight more to our left side. So we're going to start with more weight left. We're going to keep it left. We're not going to go from left to right. Uh, I don't like the, the concept of weight transfer anyway. It's a little mis, uh, misunderstood. But you're going to start with your weight left. You're going to keep it left. You're going to feel like that club is coming up a little bit more vertically. They call it like a V-shaped swing instead of a U-shaped arc. Uh, so it's a little more abrupt, and then down and through. Don't worry about trying to follow through. You may not be able to because of the, the grass. Now, the tour players, with all that strength, they can get through it, and they yeah. make it look easy. We can't. No. And so uh, if you're first of all, you're taking your medicine. You're going to chop that ball out of the rough. Just get it out, advance it, and hopefully to a position where you can pitch up onto the green and make a putt. Uh, now, when green you're side. when you're around the greens, yep. um, and obviously, you know whether your slope will make a difference. If you're on an upslope, if you're kind of in a, a you know swale area down at the bottom of something, or if you happen to be on a downslope, that obviously changes quite a bit. Absolutely, in the direction of the grass, so. Unfortunately for the players at Wingfoot, the galleries aren't stomping down all that rough, uh, you know, 10 yards off the fairway. Uh, I love that because now the guys are hitting it absolutely sideways and they've got no chance. 
but they they have to think about what they want to do. Now, around the greens, it's really difficult, and I was seeing it at the Cambia, too. Um, you Number one, you've got to assess, do I have a lot of green to, to play with? The last thing you want to do is short side yourself, uh, hitting into a green, but, they, but it happens. So you're going to have to take a club with plenty of loft, uh, it's difficult to come in with a, a firmer grip because uh, that can be rather difficult. But a club face at a slower speed can also shut down. So you've got to be aware of maybe a, a medium grip pressure. Uh, you're going to be taking that club up a little bit higher. And again, you may not be able to follow through. If it's a an uphill lie, it's a heck of a lot easier yeah. than that downhill guy. Um, again, you've got to find a safe place to get on the green. Several times I saw tour players, uh, male and female, um, making the mistake of not getting the ball up on the green. A 20-foot putt is better than leaving the ball in yeah. the rough. Yep. So get yourself up onto the green. You're not going to hit this within three feet of the hole. Just just yeah. rely on your putting and do your best to get the ball in the hole. Uh, we got a question there going back to what you uh, were saying earlier before we got into the rough about sometimes you'll just go out and put six, seven clubs in a bag. So this, uh, what's what's a good uh, club, you know, selection of clubs for a beginner? So if, if just to mm -hmm. help them rather than taking all 14, you know, they don't need three wedges or that sort of thing. When you're working with, with players that are just trying to get into the game, what's a good recommendation for what array of clubs do you need? Well, you remember when we were much younger, and they still have them available, they're called skip sets. So uh, they used to be three, five, seven, nine. Uh, throw the three iron out. You don't need that. So uh, when I go with a skip set, either even clubs or odd clubs, uh, I'll go with uh, five, seven, nine, a wedge and a putter. As far as getting off the tee, I can hit a five iron off the tee, but uh, I'll, I'll grab a hybrid, like a four hybrid. That's a good place to start. Uh, for beginners, forget the three wood. You're not going to get the three wood airborne because you don't generate enough club head speed. And again, the driver might be easy off a tee, uh, but it's still a difficult club to control direction-wise. The hybrid, if you tee the ball low and hit the hit the hybrid off the tee, you're going to be in, in good shape. So I recommend hybrid, five, seven, nine, wedge, and a putter. And then what did you just have, like six Six clubs? or seven clubs, yeah. yeah. And again, uh, as a beginner, make sure you're playing forward tees. So uh, yeah. you're not sitting there thinking, I have to hit the driver because it's a 200-yard carry to the fairway. Yeah. Play the forward tees work on the fundamentals of it. And then as you develop the good habits and the good fundamentals, then you can start putting a three wood or a, a driver in your hands. Well, I would say even it takes a while to get to a three. -wood. I don't play a three wood anymore. And if you're watching, uh, looking at the makeup of tour players bags, a lot of them this week, if they have seven woods, they have yep. five woods and uh, not, and they may have a driving iron. Uh, which they're using off the tee. That I do not recommend for a beginner because you won't get it airborne. So there you go. Plenty to uh, chew on there from our tip segment. We'll take a break, come back with the business of golf, wrap things up, uh, get our thoughts on who we think is going to be hoisting a trophy on Sunday, both at uh, Cambia and at Wingfoot. It's Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. 
Which new driver is best for your game? Who makes the best golf gear? Where should you take your next golf vacation? Which local course should you get to know better? This is the business of golf every week on Golf in the Northwest on 1080 The Fan. Hey, 51 here wrapping things up. Center and Saint will follow us as uh, we turn back to uh, the U.S. Open and, of course, the Cambia Portland Classic. Uh, both round twos are underway, and uh, it looks like uh, Columbia Edgewater is going to uh, give up a lot of birdies. Maria Stackhouse is three under through six in her second round, six under. Gabby Lopez, two under through three. She's taken the lead at seven under. Uh, Amy Olson has got it at six under. Your first round co-leaders, Hannah Green, Sydney Clanton, will start there. So uh, it looks like uh, with the uh, soft, the water softening up the greens, the ladies can go right at pins, and uh, you're going to have to make some birdies to win this. Yeah, it looks like Gabby Lopez is after her second win of the season, so uh, good for her. And I, I noticed yesterday that even though the rough was, was long, the ladies hit it a lot straighter, and they still hit it pretty far. Uh, as opposed to the men who hit it very long and very crooked. Uh, you keep the ball in play, you hit greens. The greens were soft, very receptive. They are not going to dry out like wing foot. So you're going to be able to throw balls right at the flag. And if you get hot at all with your putter, which it appears that Gabby has, uh, you're going to certainly make uh, a lot of birdies. Um, the golf course is set up very fair. Uh, it's not uh, really long. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities to make birdies out there. Um, so it comes down to, and, and the greens are not that tough to pot. Certainly not like Wingfoot. Uh, A.W. Yeah. Tillinghouse has produced a lot of these golf courses that bury uh, elephants underneath the uh, green uh, complexes. If you ever want to play one like it, uh, the only course in Oregon uh, is Waverly Country Club. And before Gil Hans got to it it was uh, there were a lot of a lot of uh, Barnum and Bailey elephants buried underneath the greens there's there's some tough putting there if you ever get a chance to play it they they haven't uh, flattened the greens out by any stretch they're still pretty tough um, Columbia Edgewater is certainly not that difficult uh, to pot um, especially if you're used to it and so uh, that to the U.S. Open now, the uh, early rounds getting going. There's only two players under par in the early rounds. Alex Noren uh, has played 11 holes. He's minus one. And then uh, one of the amateurs, John Pock, uh, is one under, uh, or at least, yeah, he was one under early. He might have given one back. No, now he's even through three. So uh, Alex Noren, the only player to get on the course so far this morning that's played a little bit, who was under par. So again, uh, we heard Garrett Johnston say he thinks one under uh, is probably going to be the winning score. You have six players under par. Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau is your final pairing. Uh, Reed at four under, Bryson at three under. Then you have Rafa Cabrera Bayo and Harris English, both at two under. They're the second to last group. Justin Thomas, Jason Kokrak uh, in red numbers. Uh, Thomas Peters, uh, the lanky Belgian, along with Xander Shoffley, will go at uh, 10.52. And uh, 10.41, it'll be Matthew Wolf and Brendan Todd. So those are kind of your final groups. What are you looking for? You know, it's it's who can 
What's going to be more important? Not that either one's more. Is it going to be guys who put it in the fairway and give themselves chances? Or Absolutely. is it going to be guys who can scramble? No, it. well, it's going to be both. Uh, uh, number one, the guy who hits the most fairways is going to have the best chance to win. This is why I'm looking at Harris English, who's a really solid player, or Xander Shoffley. These are guys who have a to- total game. They don't hit it crooked very often, and if they do, they're they're not like two fairways over. So these guys are, are, are really good. Then, But that being said, if you miss a fairway and you've got to try and get up and down, now who do you look at? Well, I look at Patrick Reed and Justin Thomas, uh, two of the best short game players uh, on the planet. Uh, I don't see Bryson DeChambeau uh, being that short game player. He even he himself says he's got some work to do there. Um, he and he's not going to overpower. If he gets going crooked, he's in big trouble, uh, and he could just as easily blow up, uh, yep. you know, and get a little bit angry. Um, you know, Garrett was saying he liked Matthew Wolf. I like Matthew Wolf just as a person and as a player. He's a pretty pretty solid young guy. Uh, but look at Brendan Todd. Yeah. Uh, Jason Kokrak, another fairly solid player. Solid guy who hits it a mile, so if he can put it in the fairway. I still like Patrick Reed. I think I he's do got the right mentality uh, to to take on. He's like Wingfoot, bring it on, bring it on, yep. which you have to have in this U.S. Open. Coverage all day today and tomorrow on KGW Channel 8. That'll do it for us. Thanks again to Garrett Johnston uh, for joining us. Don't forget, if you want to help out uh, a lot of the golf course employees that were displaced by the Southern Oregon Fire, you can do it. GoFundMe, Southern Oregon Golf Course Employee Fire Relief, or you can uh, check it out. I tweeted it out on my uh, Twitter handle, at Fanswag. Will Darkens, as always, thanks so much for producing for Harold. I'm Jason. Hit him straight. Look, I'm I'm in the rough quite a bit. So. Yeah, you are. The ladies are getting creamed. <laughs> you know how easy I am. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Peaches <laughs> in Europe. Uh, okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.